scary ghosts, creepy serial killers, all things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> Creepsters, I'm Barry Marino. And I'm Philip Landry. And welcome to another episode of Open Shutters. And finally, an original new one. Yeah. We've been running these, um, well, we had to do something for the upstairs fire. Yes. And then Frank Perez's interview was mentioned so much in that episode, I had to repost that one too. There you go. And I also reposted Christopher Watts last week, too. So we had to do some, uh, we're doing some reposts. But sadly, we have something to say. This is the last time Philip and I are going to be together in person because he's moving this weekend. Yeah, the official move is this weekend. And we're going to probably. all goes like it's supposed to. Yeah, (laughs) we're supposed to do things. uh, We're going to probably be doing stuff remotely from now on. If you can get your internet straight. I'm moving to the country. We'll see. Oh, God. We'll see. That is a... That's... Uh, I don't know what we're going to do if you can't Well, do for, it. at least for the next couple of weeks, though, Barry promised to drop um, some classic episodes. Yes. To keep things going, keep y'all interested. And hopefully we will be back at least by at the latest mid-July, if not sooner. And one of the classic episodes we posted is Madame LaLaurie, which is our most popular episode of all. There's a lot of people on some of the new formats since we moved to Captivate that re- never really got to hear it. And some of the episodes are screwed up. They didn't, they didn't transfer to Captivate, so we have to repost those. I still have the files from the previous hosts that we had. But, um, and I'll be able to repost everything. But uh, yeah, I just I kind of hate to see you go. I just <laughs> the, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself on these days when I just have to do a, a, a well, a, 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 I'm going to be sitting here by myself with you Aww. on the screen. <laughs> oh, but I do have some good news. With one thing that I'm doing now, I am starting a new podcast. Oh yeah, tell the people about okay, it. Okay, uh, back. Oh, going way back. I had a blog called Barry Marino's Favorite Bad Movies. And it got to be a little popular, even though I did, it didn't really last long. But I reviewed movies like A Star is Born, The Barbra Streisand, A Star is Born, uh, Valley of the Dolls. Well, I had already reviewed uh, Blood Feast on this podcast. And, uh, and Mommy Dearest and movies like that. And uh, um, I've decided, why not make a podcast out of this? So this new podcast... Right now, the working title is Barry's Bombs. Barry's Cinema, <laughs> Barry's cinema, cinema <laughs> Bombs. Kind of has a bath bomb kind of thing about it. it. <laughs> and um, I am not sure what the first episode is going to be, but I'll tell you, it's one of the three. It's either going to be Mommy Dearest, Streisand Star is Born, or Valley of the Dolls. Any one of those are campy and good enough for this podcast. So you're going to blow people's minds. Oh, we're going to have some, uh, and we're going to have some guests co-host including you from time to time from time to time yeah, yeah. you're not going to be a regular guest i mainly want to focus on yes yeah, so well you're, open you're the open rolling yeah you're the open shutters guy so anyway um i will uh be announcing on social media uh I, what i did is i took the old uh open shutters goes to the movies twitter and 
changed it over to that one. That's going to be the Twitter for it. Because, I mean, the address is A Barry Marino 5. Uh, it says Barry's Bombs. Barry's Cinema Bombs. Barry's Bomb sounds like it could be uh, Bath Bombs. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, I'm excited about it. That's going to be fun. And these weeks that we drop in classics here on Open Shutters and Philip is getting settled into his new place will be the times that I can, um, I can, uh, what am I trying to say? I can, I can focus on, start on dropping that one too. So anyway, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. So what else is going on? Well, let's talk all about what we're watching. Um. I'm excited. Umbrella Academy's back. I hadn't I hadn't totally binged like I normally do, so I'm slowly getting through it. But uh, season three has been loaded. On oh, Netflix. I'm, yeah, and um, I, I haven't watched it yet. Lance was looking forward to it. Y'all seen the first two seasons? We may have. I don't remember. You know, we watched so much stuff. I can't remember everything. It had a little bit significant gap. And then, and then we watched so three. much stuff for this uh, podcast. Now, what else have you been watching on Netflix, though? You were talking about you were watching something on Netflix, though. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, the two-sentence horror horror stories. Uh, those are pretty cool. I've been watching those with, with Lance. Uh, they're, uh, they're 20 minutes. Uh, they're, they're actually from the CW. And they take... Okay, the, but it's on Netflix. Yeah, but it's an anthology. It's like Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock Presents. It's a different story every week. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really... And they're really fun. They're pretty good. You were talking about a few other things you've been watching. I have watched the first two episodes of The Old Man on HBO Max. And that's on HBO Max. Okay. Yeah, starring... Um, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Bridges. Let yes. me check and see who else is in it. Jeff Bridges is in it. Uh, well, Amy li- Brennan. How are you liking it? Uh, it's very, very good. So far, what I've seen of it is really good. It's Jeff Bridges, Amy Brennan, and uh, what are, who are the other ones in it? There's another. Um, here it is. I love looking up things. <laughs> Give you some of the cast: Amy Brennan, John Lithgow. Ah. Um. And some of these, okay, I don't know some of these other actors. He's Bill Heck. You know him? Wait. Sounds funny. Uh, yeah. He looks familiar. Yeah, well, anyway, the big major ones are uh, 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 Jeff Bridges, uh, John Lithgow, and Amy Brennan. That's really good. I, I, I don't want to give too much away, but it's about an uh, elderly man who, it turns out, had been in the CIA. And some of his past mm-hmm. is catching up with him. Intriguing. Sounds like something you'd like. May, I may have to check it out. Yeah, you got to check it out. Now you said you were watching something with Curtis and him as well? Yeah, we were watching uh, uh, Welcome to Eden, which uh, I don't want to give away too much on that you one either. So. Spoils, but what would you yeah, give yeah. people a little bit about uh, what they can... What we got from Lance here? Just send something. Oh. Are y'all doing the podcast right now? Yes. We are in the middle of the fucking podcast. Yes, Lance. We're doing the podcast. Lance is Lance at work. He's not with us today. I mean, he's got an exciting news, too. He got a promotion at work. He did. Yeah. He's, so and we're it's proud a of hefty, you, Lance. A hefty uh, Keep up uh, the good work. A hefty bump he's been working pay, too. We don't want to tell how much an hour he's no. making. But he's his worked, he has worked his ass off. He's been working there for years. He's, he worked yeah, all six years. Pandemic. Six years, yeah. And uh, he's an essential employee, essential worker, so yes. Yeah, and he deserves it. 
And very much so. So we're very proud that that happened for him. Yes, we are. Definitely. Oh, so, yeah, so back to the, uh, welcome to Eden you were just talking about. Welcome to Eden, well, yeah. That's, tell people what you thought about it, just a little something without well, giving too much away. It's more of those dub things. And uh, that, What was it originally for? Oh, so it was. Let me see. It was filmed in another country. It's well, they're all everything on Netflix seems to be filmed in another Not country. Not everything. <laughs> just Quite about. Quite a bit. Just about. Well, that means they're finally sharing everything. There was a point where we couldn't get all the foreign stuff, so we should be happy. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I, I the, the, um, it works my nerves. Oh, be, be, come on, Barry. Well, this is a this a welcome to Eden is a where um. There are five young people, and they're invited to an exclusive party on a secret island sponsored by this new drink. Oh, I hadn't seen that. And you said that's on Netflix? That's on Netflix, yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. I saw, yeah. I saw a little, the little blip of it or whatever, on the banner. Yeah, it's, 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 it. it's, I'm not going to say anything too much more. I definitely, definitely want to watch that one then. That's for and sure. a couple of really good shows have started new seasons now, huh? Only Murders in the Buildings has a new season coming up. It's that's just dropped. Well, at least one episode of it has dropped. Yeah. Uh, another one that had just had a new season. I love the comedy. I talked about it. I think about a year ago, whatever. Mm. The second season has been out. Is Rutherford Falls on Peacock? Oh, I have not checked that out yet. And I've... Rutherford Falls. There's so much stuff. Rutherford Falls is such a great comedy because. <laughs> Because it's really about this town. I think it's like upstate New York, if I remember right. But anyhow, it's basically you have the um, the Minneshonka Nation, which is the First Nation people, and you have you know the uh, the actual other townspeople. Really, it has to do with all these like friendships and interactions. And oh, okay. Some of it even gets political and everything. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but. Uh, there is a really funny moment with uh, with uh, um, the statue. And this what, some of the reality. The, uh, yo, if anyone has watched the show, you'll know what I mean by the statue. So I'm not giving. I haven't watched it. So it's I don't well. Know what you mean it's by the it's statue. well um, worth a watch. And um, the um, main actress that plays the character Reagan, I think her name is uh, Yana Schwinding, or I may get her name wrong. Anyhow, yeah, she is just great though and she's she's now uh in the second season um she's getting more of a a job as a a curator she's always been a curator of um of you know the the culture and the and the minnesota nation and their artifacts and all but she's taking it on an even stronger role in season two oh okay and and there's some other things that go i just don't want to give a lot away if you haven't seen any of it go back and watch season one as well before you start season two, but if you've already seen season one, jump on and get season two watched. It's yes. excellent, and that's on Peacock. One last thing to talk about that we were watching a huge thing. What's that? And we were both very impressed. We went to the movies. Oh time. yes, we. Ha- I have really been waiting for a horror. Especially, we've been definitely waiting on this horror film because it kept getting backed up several times. It was. It was supposed to be. Released originally in 2021, then we got told it was going to get released in February of this year. Finally, got released in June. And the, it was bl- the Black Phone. Phone, and it's very refreshing to go see something that has nothing to do with either Marvel or DC. 
It was, and, and, and there are quite a few people there. We went on a Tuesday night, and there were quite a few folks there. Yeah. People love horror. And and what's great about this horror, they set it in the late, it was late 70s, right? It's right, 1978. So it, it gives you that classic feel. I was, I just like how they did every everything with it, gave you that feel, even even had like from the writing the way it was done yeah even though you knew it was a new movie they really transported you to feeling like you were in the late 70s when you're watching yes and it had everything it had serial killer it had paranormal it had psychic stuff going it had everything and it had a stranger things podcast it had a stranger things vibe to it i found well i think that was the classic feel of it yeah was why but i'm just saying as a horror film i think people are going to look back at this we're not going to cover it anytime soon but i'm hoping maybe we might decide even in a year after it's been out a little while to go ahead and cover it because it's such a great film it had does it everything. It really is. It ticked all the boxes for you me. You know how I usually fall asleep in the movie, especially if it's a Star Wars movie, or <laughs> all you got. If you want to put me to sleep, put on a Star Wars movie. That does it. Anything Star Wars, anything Harry Potter, or anything Lord of the Rings puts me right to sleep. Uh, no offense to the people who are fans of these franchises, but they put me to sleep. But you're saying the black phone kept you awake, so a whole. So I what did, did you feel about the black phone? Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was wonderful. I it, it was edge of the seat. It was scary as hell. It was one of the scariest. Did it tick off ever, a lot so. of the boxes for you? Yes, and it only had one major star in it, and that was Ethan Hawke, and you never really see his face the whole time. But you know why I think you also thinking Stranger Things because there was such a focus on a lot of the kids. Yeah, and, and on kids on bicycles and those actors and actresses were those young actors and actresses were amazing. What is with this crop of young actors and actresses? I know. Having? Yeah, they're more talented than a lot of the adults. And, and these movies that they're in, like It and Stranger Things, and I didn't care for this movie, but that new Ghostbusters movie had a lot of talented actors in it too. I, I don't know. I didn't care for that either. That's another thing you put on and I'll go to sleep. I loved all the other Ghostbusters movies, but not that one. Uh, that's just me. Well, I think they were trying to relive an era there. Uh, I know. Was, I know. And this I, relived an era and succeeded. I've listened, uh, I, didn't actually, you feel like you were back in the 70s? I've lived with one podcast and they don't care for the female version of the Ghostbusters, which I actually kind of liked. I like seeing a different take on it. This other one looked like they were just rehashing old shit to me. I'm sorry. If you guys are listening, and I know you guys listen to me, and you know who I'm talking about, I'm not going to mention you. But uh, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I uh, yeah, I, I apologize for this, but I disagree. <laughs> I'm sorry. We do promise when we get a chance, though, we are going to do the black phone. Oh, definitely. We definitely. just don't want to do it right now. Like I said, we don't like to give spoilers. We like to let y'all go yeah. see it. We want to give it a chance to end up on streaming. But I think it's something we may even break our little rule of where we had our little three year rule. We may break that on Black Phone only because it was that amazing. Yeah, we'll probably do it in a few months. We'll, pro- well, we'll probably wait for a year. it to get on streaming and then give it three months on the stream. Exactly. That's perfect. So, whatever time that would be, whatever, whatever that yeah. would be. Yeah. Um, well, talking, we mentioned Stranger Things. One newsworthy thing I do want to mention, I don't think we know if we kind of mentioned it slightly before, but it's gotten quite impressive. Kate Bush is doing amazing with her song mm. Running Up That Hill yeah. that was featured 
in the episode with Max. I don't want to give too much away if people I haven't seen. Yeah. And the ones that do know what I know what I'm talking about. Running up the hill has actually broken three Guinness World Records. Yes. One of them actually involves one of your favorite singers. She actually toppled shares as the oldest as the oldest female ever to hit number and one I have, on the UK chart. I know almost nothing about Kate Bush. Sorry, Kate Bush, if you're listening, <laughs> but I've never really our known British, her. Our British listeners really do know her. Yeah, well, yeah. no, she's been very she was very big, but uh. And is, the longest gap. Yeah. And she it was the uh it was the longest gap between number ones yeah. and it was the longest time from the release date of the original when the song was released to actually hit number one. It yeah. never hit number one when it was originally released. No. So congratulations to Kate Bush. I also been following uh her little thing she puts out. Yeah. And she's so gracious and it's oh. just so nice to see someone with that kind of yeah. Way of being that gracious, being that one, of being that humble, yeah. actually finally get some accolades. Okay, well, there's before I start on the obits, there's a, there's uh, something, there's the elephant in the room we we have to address. We don't we like to stay away from politics as much as we can, but I think this transcends politics, and I really do think we have to address it. And as males, I have heard. Females on several several podcasts of addressing this. It is a, a woman's issue, but it's not really. It's everyone's issue because because of this, a lot of other people. Okay, women lose not having the right to end the pregnancy. Losing the, women losing that right is also dangerous for the rest of us because if they take that away, what are they going to take away next? True. LGBT people may, being able to marry, interracial marriages, just basic rights. And you're just trying to talk about the social implications. Yeah. Though. If we just look at the healthcare implications of it, for overall, it's body autonomy for everyone that might be looked at. They're going to yeah. look at fine lines. No, no, you see, if they can do, if they could stop that, okay, insurance companies won't have to cover birth control anymore. They won't have to cover vasectomies. Yes, that affects males. That affects sexually active heterosexual males. It's going to affect you too. If they're allowed to do this, they, they're allowed to take anything away from anyone else. What are they going to do next? Are they going to repeal the Civil Rights Act? They're thinking about it. Actually, actually the Voting Rights Act is going to be, I think, they didn't actually make a ruling. They just said that they didn't want to look it actually affected because we were supposed to have two districts that were minority majority here. Yeah, it they not for the twenty twenty two election. They didn't want to pick it up and look at the case, which might be good anyway. But if the court doesn't change, it looks like they're going to look up at another case, the Alabama case, next year, and that could actually end up affecting voting rights. Okay, do you remember that poem? It was a poem about the Nazis. Is it first? They came for the Jews. I wasn't Jewish, so I didn't speak up. Then they came for the blacks. I wasn't black, so I didn't speak up. Then they came for the gays. I wasn't gay, so I didn't speak up. Yeah. Then they came for me, and there was no one to speak for me. There you go. Now, even you people out there that are pro-life, this can affect you too. It could affect things that, you know, it could stay, it could still go into freedom of religion. 
Well, it kind of is, and that's why I'm actually going to put a little caveat out there. I am going to get a little political because there was the other case where they said it was okay for the teacher to be praying on the field and all this. So I'm going to encourage all the witches and pagans, break out your <laughs> cauldrons, break out, break out anything that freaks out these conservative Christians, because if they could allow that coach to pray on the field, I think you as a teacher, if you're out there, you're pagan, witchcraft, you should be allowed to do whatever your rituals exactly. are. And if the kids want to join in and they want to get in a circle and they want to throw things in the cauldron and stuff go on, so be it. So be it. But anyway, that's uh, that's all I had to say. And uh, as, a, as a point of view of, of a cis male, a gay cis male, but a cis male, I don't support this at all. No, I don't support it either. This yeah. is non-binary. This is scary because yeah. this is like seeing a lot of things. anything, anything. Yeah, and you start having uh, it's it, you know everybody's rights, and before long you could wind up in the dictatorship. And you, some of you folks think, well, if such and such is going to be the dictator, I want to. You don't want that because you, if you've noticed, this person that you support so much turns on people. He can turn on you too. Yeah. All right, that's all we're going to say about that. Let's get to the obits. Yeah, let's go, let's roll with the uh, And ironically, our first obit is a transgendered woman by the name of Gloria Allen. She ran a charm school for transgender youth, and she died at the age of 76. And she was, uh, her rebellion started long before Stonewall. Uh, Gloria Allen was out and proud, immersing herself in the ballroom culture while attending weekend drag shows in Chicago's South Side, long before Stonewall. Yes. And this is what she was quoted as saying, When I came out of my mother's womb, I was out. Yes, the only know. time I entered the closet was to get me an outfit and a pair of pumps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like her already. She was a black transgendered woman, and she grew to become a beloved elder in Chicago's LGBT community. I guess kind of like Marcy was here, you know? Uh, she was known for offering guidance and support to younger generations of trans people, just like Marcy Marcel was here, and many of whom were African-American and Hispanic. And she ran a charm school starting in 2012 for transgendered youth, providing lessons in etiquette and comportment while installing confidence and strength in her students. And a lot of her students were homeless or at risk, and they called her Mama Gloria, or simply Mama. She said, I cooked for them, I listened to them, and taught them etiquette. Now, her her charm school was based out of the center on Halstead, which is an LBGT community center in the Lakeview neighborhood of of Chicago. And her school lasted only a few years. She was not paid, and she often used her own money to prepare students' meals. But uh, but it inspired a hit play called Charm, and she was also uh, chronicled in the 2020 documentary about her life called Mama Gloria. So um, <laughs> she always she was considered a celebrity. She she even got mobbed and was hard to go places, and. Um, Everyone felt like they knew her. We could walk down the street and people always coming up to give her a hug or give a life update. Oh, wow. Oh, so anyway, this is a fine part. Okay. Um, her idea for char- transgender charm school came out of a time at, at the center at Halstead where she met teenagers who were loud, as she told it, 
a little rude, and an approach to fashion and etiquette that was far different from someone who had been taught to wear gloves and a fancy hat for occasions. It may sound old-fashioned, but I would see these young people wearing negligee-type clothes on the street, and I would say, how could they leave the house looking like that? (laughs) 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 Yes, ma'am. She was 76 when she died June 13th at her home in Lakeview, where she lived in an apartment complex for LGBTQ seniors, and the cause was respiratory failure. So, um... Rest in peace, Rest Mama in Gloria. Fabulousness. Tens, tens, tens across oh. the board. I didn't know to you. To Gloria Allen. But I wish I would have. Barry and I are both giving her tens. We give it, oh, we, we, we giving her everything. Everything. Yes, ma'am. All righty. Okay. So our next one, um, I'm going to uh, do this this one next. Um, I'll do this next. Okay. Next one is an actress by the name of Mary Mara. She was a, you know, she's, uh, she died at the age of 61. She was a character actress, and she's known for roles on ER, Dexter, and Nash Bridges. Um, she appeared in, uh, in a television career that spanned more than 30 years. She was 61 years old. I think I said that already. Uh, her body was found last Sunday morning near the Canadian border. Mm. She had drowned while swimming. I wonder if there's some kind of foul play there. Uh, she was born September 21st, 1960 in Syracuse, New York to Roger Mara, the former director of special events for the New York State Fair and Lucille Mara, an accountant. And her brother Roger was a puppeteer. And he told the San Francisco Examiner in 1996 that he and Mary were encouraged by the mother's flair for the dramatic. So um, her first on-screen credit was in the television movie the Preppy Murder, which is a case we may we, we may cover one day, is based on a true story of a young woman's murder in New York. And in 1992, she appeared in Love Potion Number 9, Mr. Saturday Night with, with Billy Crystal, and um, the 2008 movie Prom Night. Now, one of the things she was known for, her two TV shows on ER, she played a patient named Loretta Swit. Loretta Swit. Loretta Sweet. Night Hot Lips, Loretta Sweet, from 1995 to 96, and then on Nash Bridges, she played Inspector Bryn Carlson from 1996 to 1997, and uh, she was pretty much taken off because her character overshadowed the male characters. Isn't it funny how these men (laughs) are so insecure about this? So rest in peace, Mary Mara, and if there is any foul play involved in your death, we will be reporting it. Oh, yeah. All right, the last one. This is particularly sad. This is a young man the name of Tyler Sanders. Uh, he died at 18. That's young. And uh, it was a call um, from male third, uh, you know, the law enforcement tell, told TMZ, who I'm reading this from, that they got a call from male not breathing Thursday. They responded, they found Tyler alone in the home and pronounced him deceased. And at the time, there were no immediate signs of foul play or suspicious circumstances. He was uh, he had an actor, and he was on shows uh, 911 Lone Star, and Fear the Walking Dead, and what there's one more they had mentioned. Um, and they say his death is being investigated, and, he, and he's remembered as a good kid who came from a good family. Mm. Um, 
He started acting when he was 10 years old as a child. He'd, he'd received an Emmy for his work as Leo in the Amazon series Just Add Magic's uh, Mystery City. His other credits include The Rookie, of course, Just Add Magic, and he shot a pilot with uh, Leo Romani and appeared in a bunch of shorts and, uh, and a couple of TV movies. 18 years old. So sad. All right, rest in peace, Tyler. Okay, what time is it? You know what time it is. It's horoscope time. One, two, three. It's horoscope time. It's horoscope time. Philip is so sublime. It's horoscope time. Philip Landry is the one. He makes horoscopes so much fun. <laughs> See, I'll let you do the whole thing this time. Yeah. <laughs> the final week I was in New well, Orleans. Well, it says that you're fun and you, make, and you make horoscopes fun. I know. I had to let it go all the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. That's all the words I have. So, I haven't finished writing We'll it. see how fun it is this week. You know, emotions are riding high. The waves, the tides are cresting and everything. The tide is high and yeah. I'm rolling on. Yes. I'm going to be on so number one. So what better time to throw everyone overboard? Overboard. Oh, my goodness. Well, okay. Go ahead. So we're going to let each of y'all know out there, each of you signs, what kind of watercraft we're throwing you from. Oh, Jeez. Aries, oh, we're going to be throwing you is, overboard off a destroyer battleship in the South China Sea. Is that our Roz? No, an Aries. Oh, Aries. Oh, we're going to throw Betty and Joan off there. Yes. <laughs> okay. uh, the China Sea? The South China Sea. Mm. Oh, China. China, I didn't say China. Yeah, I didn't say everything it. is. Uh, people I didn't say. I said South China Sea. I, I know, but there's a China mentioned. I didn't a lot even lately. say who the destroyer battleship was for or what was going on. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. All right. So, well, okay. Next is Taurus. <laughs> this is probably a little more disconcerting. But they're going to be thrown overboard from a low-flying spaceship over the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, my God. NASA craft. (laughs) I guess there was some reason for the space program. Don't give out the secrets. Okay, I won't give out the secrets. I keep the secrets to myself. It's the Bermuda Triangle. Shh. It's so quiet. Shh. (laughs) Oh, Lord. <laughs> Next is our Roz. Our Roz. Will. Gemini. Oh. <laughs> you want to know what he's going to be thrown from overboard? Yeah, what? The good old Sun Princess cruise ship that was used in the pilot episode of The Love Boat. Oh, you're going to throw him from a cruise ship? You know what? That's going to cause a tidal wave and it's going to be the Poseidon Adventure. It'll, but, but it'll be so exciting and new. But it just be <laughs> like the Poseidon that, that thing's going to capsize from that tidal wave that's going to happen when his ass gets thrown over there. What are we going to do? Some swim, Shelly. Swim. I hope Shelly Winters is a guest on the, uh, that episode of, of The Love Boat. <laughs> now, that was only that one, that, that one was only used, actually, in that pilot episode. I was, I, the actual, like, the... the the one that was used, there was two others, and the one that was mainly used for most of the episodes was the uh, Princess Pacific or the Pacific Princess. Was Shelly Winters ever on the love boat? Are you really going to check it? Yes, I'm going to check it. He's checking it, y'all, right now to see if Shelly Winters 
was on the love boat. I don't know if she ever was on the love boat. We know she was in the Poseidon Adventure. Uh, Shelly Winters on the love boat. It is kind of funny to know if anybody was on both. Now you pose that question. I think Ernest Borgnine was on both. Yes, I th- yes, you're correct. And Stella Stevens, correct. too. Yes. Yes. Oh, it looks like she was. Wait, is she? She was? Oh, my God, yeah. With Ernest Borgnine as her husband. <laughs> On the love boat. Uh-huh. <laughs> well. I knew Ernest Borgnine was on it. I think Stella Stevens was on it. It was really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That is absolutely. That's. Cl- I got to see that episode now. Oh, God. You know, you got to go try to dig it up, ain't you? Oh, and you know, uh, it's on one of the streamings. I'm it's sure. To, it's got to be. It's it comes on Me TV, which we can get that app now too. Yeah, that's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Well, that's that's if you survive being thrown overboard for yours, cancer. Oh, what's happening? Y'all to me? are going to be thrown from a barge on the Mississippi River. Oh, my God. On the river? Yeah. You're going to be thrown. Rolling on the river. So, yeah, you'll be rolling on the river. With Proud Mary. You you know. You'll you'll keep on burning. You know, for like, I I, I worked on the riverboat as a bartender, and I lasted a week. Oh, my. I could not wait to get back so I could quit. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't quit it because they, they, you know what? If you quit while you out there, they would just bump you off with that, and you'd be on your own getting home. (laughs) So I decided to, to just stick it out, tough it out, and I would count the days. I'd say, well, three more days. And when we were coming down that river and I saw the New Orleans Hilton, I knew I was going home and I was never coming back on that boat again. And I have never. Well, I'm, that boat got, got torn down anyway, the Mississippi Queen. Oh, wow. And I have never, ever, ever gotten, but I never got on that boat again. Thank God. Like, next time I got on a boat was for my birthday last year. was for the, um. Wow. <laughs> was was for the well the city of New Orleans is now but it was and that was as a passenger not as a worker. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Moving along on insanities. <laughs> Talk about uh, bartending. I don't know what the hell Leos are doing this next week. I don't know what they must be getting drunk or something because apparently they're going to be thrown overboard or have to walk the plank on the pirate ship out front the Treasure Island Casino on the Las Vegas Strip. Oh my God! In the casino? No. If you if you ever seen the like picture, I've been to the Vegas Strip. So yeah. I've seen where they have the pirate ships out front the Treasure Island Casino. Is it water? This a little bit. I mean, it's well, this is a whole bunch of fake. Like it's it's Las Vegas Strip stuff. Uh, oh. It's 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 that kind of it's that kind of pirate ship. It's not. It's this. in the desert. <laughs> yeah, I think they actually. I think one of the Sharknado movies actually did use the pirate. Oh my God! You just gave me an idea for the new podcast. We gotta have a Sharknado. Oh, episode. if you watch some of the Sharknados, they're great. I actually love. No, I gotta have Sharknados. you on for that. One. I love the Sharknado. I gotta have you on okay. for that one. And the Sharknados purposely are trying to be a B movie that actually makes them really good. It's actually 
They're trying to be a band. But they're also taking themselves seriously, like the acting and everything. No, no, but it's all, if you really watch it, it's all meant to be that way. Yeah, they're supposed to take themselves seriously. It's really, I, I like die laughing on that, okay? <laughs> Some of you are like, why? Well, okay, well, when we do the show, when I do the Sharknadoes for Barry's Cinema Bombs, yeah. you have got to guess that. You've got to be my guest host that, that week. We'll specifically find whichever one it was that it was on the Las Vegas Strip. Oh, we got to do all of them, though. We're going to do a little piece of all of them. Oh, okay, good. We'll do all Just do it as one big one big know, episode. Yeah. Oh, we could do a bunch of episodes of making Shark Week on <laughs> And we can make Baby Shark our theme song. Baby Shark dun, 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 Baby Shark dun, dun. Okay. Let me this, let you get on. This devolved, My singing career is over. This, this devolved to a whole other level. This is gonna be fun though. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about devolving something. <laughs> <laughs> Burgo. Oh, y'all are getting thrown overboard off a dilapidated pea rogue floating down the bayou. Oh, dilapidated. Oh, rotted wood. Going down getting the bayou. Eat, getting Going eaten. down the bayou. Getting eaten by um, alligators. Becoming gator shit. And snakes. And then any little remains getting eaten by crawfish. Okay, you're just like oh. showing how far down the line it went. Yes, but it's just so appetizing for certain Virgos. Okay. One of them's ashes, though, so they're just ashes would be fish food. <laughs> I can't. You can't? You ba- can't? Barry actually went beyond where I go sometimes. <laughs> I went there. I appreciated that, Barry. That was entertaining. <laughs> Talking about entertaining, Libras. Imitating Tammy Faye all the way down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, getting back on. Well, we're not imitating bad, Tammy Faye. Okay, bad way of getting speak. back on track. <laughs> <laughs> then we have officially. Yeah, I think we've thrown ourselves overboard. Okay, well, we will in a little while. Anyhow, let Libras, right? Oh, our well, I've already been thrown overboard. In the, um, well, your mother would love this next one. She was a Libra, right? Right. You always talk about her. She would get thrown overboard from a catamaran yacht sailing the choppy waters of Lake Pontchartrain. But that would mess up her hair. <laughs> she wouldn't want anything that was going to mess up her hair. <laughs> her hair is what she would worry Do about. Do you know what? Oh, hey, fine, but the hair. Oh, her hair was her. She never wanted her hair to get messed up. She used to. <laughs> She used to make, you know what she used to do? When she was going to work, she used to make me walk her out with the umbrella, and then she'd take the umbrella and let me walk back to the house in the rain. Her hair was more important than me. So she wouldn't even care whether she was safe or not. She'd just be like, my hair She just didn't want her hair messed up. I can't. As long as her hair looked good, she was okay. Oh, man. I hope I can get through this without laughing so hard. This is a... This is this has been one of the best. Oh, one time my, we went with my aunt. She had a convertible, and all the kids wanted the convertible to be open. <gasps> and she was, uh, so my aunt says, "Well, Alina, do you want? Are you worried about your hair?" She goes, "Yes, I am." And we went. So she went here was screaming. One, she said, "Okay, open it, open it." Poor that poor thing's hair went everywhere, and it went when she got out that car. It, lo- it it kind of froze in a way. Doesn't she sweat. realize that's why women in the classic films wear the little thing, the little. She didn't have scarf? one. My aunt had one, but she didn't have one. And your aunt didn't have <laughs> one to share. No. How shady. Ain't it? 
Your aunt was shady. Oh, yeah, she was. You have no idea how much. <laughs> I can't even go into it now. Every, most of my mom's family was shady. Oh, talking about shady. That's it's my good old... And all these people are dead, so I can say what I'm... <laughs> talking about shady, my good sign of Scorpio, honey. Scorpio. Us fellow Scorpios you. out there with me. Well, would you We're going to be you? thrown overboard from the ferryman's boat traversing the River Styx. Oh, River Styx. <laughs> they stick out... <laughs> No, you know the river sticks going to the underworld. Oh, like the like the the the, the, the ferryman. The, yeah, and the rock group from the seventies sticks. It's named after that. That yeah, yeah yeah. But the actual ferryman yeah. And you're gonna be book. singing I like am. he wouldn't that be about right though for Scorpio? Yeah. The ferryman's trying to give us passage, and we gotta fall out the goddamn boat. And on the way down there, you're gonna be singing I'm sailing away. That was a song by Sticks. You know what? That's a good one. Man, props to you for that. That's entertaining. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. Not so entertaining. Sagittarius. That's my sign. I drank my super coffee, so I'm in. That's rare form my partner. Sagittarius. Oh, what's happening to him? I don't have any sympathy for him right now because he's making you move. He's gonna be thrown overboard from a speedboat trying to maneuver what is left. Of Lake Mead. Oh, good. He's going into a dry lake. <laughs> that lake is drying up so much. I saw just saw on the news the barrels from who knows the night, maybe even from the fifties, sixties, and seventies that the mafia threw with uh-huh. bodies are finding they're finding bodies in the barrels. I bet you Frank Sinatra threw a few of them barrels. Yeah, and they said they don't know, but if it keeps drying up more, there may be more barrels exposed. I wonder how many people in my family threw them barrels. I don't know, and this is like, and this is like we're talking about those like metal. It looks like metal drum barrels, from what I saw on the thing. This is not wooden. This is those because those metal drum barrels would survive a lot, you know. Yeah. But they're finding they're finding bodies out there in Lake Mead now. I know, you know, and, and you know, it's just I, I know all I like growing up Italian. You see, when we when you're a kid, when you grow up Italian, you celebrate your birthday six months early, just in case. I did not need this horoscope to bring up so many memories, Barry, but it so does. Of it your does. childhood. Yeah, my childhood. Yeah, my childhood. My childhood was pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah. Well, I had an Italian side of the family, but you had a full-on Italian family. Let's put well, it my, Well, one side was full-on Italian and one side was half Italian. You and practically grew each, up Italian. And they, and they were equally... Italian. <laughs> I only got stories from the great grandfather who used to do the liquor runs for Carlos Marcella. That's oh, all I have. I have. I have. But uncle. you have an entire family. Of my, stories. I found out through a book I read that my uncles weren't allowed in Carlos Marcello's gang because they were too volatile. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> True story, as Michael Colleone would say. True story. <laughs> so, so okay, so so I have a newfound respect for my grandfather because he was actually mm. sound enough at fifteen years old to work as a, as a, as to do liquor. Work. At the sound of the Godfather theme, I get post traumatic stress. <sighs> <laughs> I'm 
You're giving me a lot of stand-up material here. Oh, this whole thing is a stand-up routine between the two of us. <laughs> yeah. All right, move, talk about stand-up routines. Capricorn, that's your partner. My partner. Oh, Lance. Oh, what's going to happen to his ass? <laughs> He's going to get thrown from a whitewater raft rolling on the Cherry Creek route. Yeah, he keeps in California, on. that's near Yosemite. Yeah. It's still one of those dangerous whitewater rafting. He keeps on pissing area. off this Italian it's man. Actually, he, yeah, it's going to get thrown from something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now you get me. You you you, you bringing out my inner dago here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if I have uh, eggplant parmesan in my veins. Oh. I never realized I never realized being Italian gives you so much material. It's it is the material. It is the material. Sophia Petrillo. It doesn't give you. It is. It writes itself. It does. Okay. It writes itself. Picture it. Bourbon Street, 1945. <laughs> 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 oh. Woo. This episode is going to get big, a lot of downloads. Just word of mouth. If I can get through this without laughing, we still got two more signs I got to make it through. Okay, get through your signs, okay. Oh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. This is entertaining. Aquarius. I mean, okay, I don't even know what to really say about y'all, how this happened. But y'all are going to get thrown overboard from the sinking Titanic because your ass made a miscalculation when time traveling. Time traveling? Yeah, they, they couldn't get it right, apparently. Oh. The only reason why I would want to time travel was to take my 30-year-old body and bring it back here. That's the only reason I would But aren't you there. supposed to not fuck around with that shit? If I could get my 30-year-old body back here, I would fuck around with that shit. You best be careful. But you remember? We were just talking about Umbrella Italian. Italian. We don't better, live- be, better not mess with time. Italians don't live by the rules. All right, all right. I'll leave that 60-year-old body there. <laughs> Wait a minute, then I might just die and not be here. So maybe I better leave the 30-year-old body where it is. <laughs> Don't mess with time. Yeah. Don't mess with time. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. But yeah, Aquarius says, I don't know what the hell y'all were thinking. Let what just- my mom would think if I wound up older than her? <laughs> That's maybe what was the problem. They were trying to go back to when they had a better body. What they thought was a better body. And then they fucked up. But you know what? All you really have to do is just do the best to make your body the way it is better. You could take the body that you have now. And then with the exercise and the diet and everything. Well, you see what the issue was. What the real issue was is they didn't just make a miscalculation on time. They made a miscalculation on space. Yeah. Because this was probably an Aquarius that was trying to go to the Jersey Shore. They They were trying to go to the Jersey Shore about 20 years ago, and they ended up actually ending up in the North Atlantic. So they wanted to be among (laughs) Snooki and and the Sitch and those people, but they wound up among Kate Winslet and... and In the North North fucking Atlantic, yes. And and whatever character it is, Victor Newman from The Young and Restless played... He played John Jacob Astor or something. Is that who was on the Titanic? Was it John yeah, Jacob? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, and Eric Braden that plays Victor Newman on The Younger Restless Play. So when they said, how you doing? We sinking, bitch. We sinking. Well, I would stick around Kathy Bates. She escaped. 
<laughs> Molly Brown. Because <laughs> she was the unsinkable. She was unsinkable. Molly right. Brown. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> and the funny part is that <laughs> that woman made sure she stayed in Denver after all of that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well within the country, away from the coast. Yeah. But her husband wasn't burning that money in the stove. <laughs> Warming his ass. <laughs> Oh, my God, yes. Well, last but definitely not least, as always, Pisces. Y'all are going to get thrown overboard from a fishing vessel crabbing in the Bering Sea. Now, that that is quite easy. Have you watched? Yeah. That's that deadliest catch kind of getting thrown overboard. Oh, yeah. That's really easy to happen. That's dangerous. Have that you watched that dangerous. show before? No, but I've seen the clips and it's funny. It's like. It. I'm like, you get drawn in. Like, it's really entertaining if you ever watch an episode of The Deadliest Catch. You are drawn in. I'm like, why am I being drawn into this? But I am. Oh, man. Oof. Well, get drawn in and get drawn overboard. Oh, so is that it with the horoscope? So we over? Yeah. We maybe need a, a closing theme song, but I'm not going to sing it now. Anyway, okay, so uh, we're going to be back in a minute. We're taking the break. And... Um, we're gonna discuss oh this time oh we got a great case this week. We got old Hollywood. I mean as old of Hollywood as you can get. A hundred years ago, almost to the day. A murder from the silent movie era. We're gonna be discussing the murder of William Desmond Taylor. And it it, it, it plays like an Agatha Christie movie. And even down to the way the body was and everything. We, we, we're going to explain that later. So anyway, you guys, we will be right back after we like use the bathroom and get stuff to drink and things like that. All right. All right, we're back. You think we could top our last the first half? <laughs> I don't know. You had me dying, Barry. I don't know. It, it is just... Oh, my God. Well, okay. Well... We got something a little bit different for everybody this this week. We're covering an old Hollywood murder. Aren't those things fun? Ooh, a hundred year old murder. A hundred? Uh, yeah, it happened almost a hundred years uh, a hundred years ago, almost to wasn't the day. Yeah, wasn't the, it like February? February? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so, yeah it was over just a little bit over a hundred years old. It was yeah. at this time a hundred years ago. The investigation, everything was still going on. What I am talking about is the murder of William Desmond Taylor, who, in 1922, was found dead in his bungalow by Henry Peavy, who was his manservant. Now, Henry, um, Henry was coming home from, uh, coming to, you know, in for the day, and he had gotten off the bus or the subway, or whatever the public transit was at the time. And he came into there, and he noticed something weird, that uh, Mr. Desmond, Mr. Taylor's door was unlocked, and all the lights were on. So, uh, William uh, had a tendency to stay up all night reading sometimes, and he wouldn't turn, uh, and he'd fall asleep. And then forget his lights on, sometimes forget his door lock. You know, this is 1922. People didn't lock their doors yeah. like they do today. So when he came in, into uh, the room, he, he came into the room and he found William Desmond Taylor lying on the floor, like straight, his arms to the side, like, like somebody had put him that way. Mm. 
And he thought that maybe he had a, a heart attack or some kind of event. So he, um, he went to the body you know, and noticed that the man was deceased. And he saw two little bitty holes by his heart. Two small, really small holes, which almost sounds like something from a movie from that era where you, you know, there was no blood or anything. This is really strange. So, of course, what is, yeah, Henry Peavy was, uh, had been arrested for cruising in the park. And William Desmond Taylor was, was supposed to go that afternoon to court with him to speak in his behalf, you know, to, to keep his sentence. As his employer. Yeah. yeah, as his employer. And he and uh, Taylor was a was really a great boss to this guy. He was black and he was gay. Mm. So you know, of course, when the police come, well, he ran out screaming, "Mr. Taylor's dead! Mr. Taylor's dead!" You know, big old queen getting all all dramatic, <laughs> everything like that. And um, he was the first suspect because he was black and because he was gay. That was uh, enough for them. He, he became the first suspect. So, um... Profiling. Exactly, profiling. And uh, at first they thought he died of a stomach hemorrhage. But then it was when... Uh, uh, that's right, because Henry didn't see the... the, the, the um, they thought he had, a, a, like, a bleeding ulcer. But then uh, when, when they... Uh, his body was rolled over and they saw where the bullet holes had exited. And no blood or anything, which is really strange. So then his funeral was on February 7th, 1922, in the Episcopal uh, Ceremony, and he was interred at the mausoleum at the Hollywood Cemetery, which is now the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, on Santa Monica Boulevard. And uh, they were investigating, they, they, they checked his wallets when they found him, he had $78 in cash, which in today's money is like about $1,200, <laughs> even or not. His silver cigarette case, a pocket watch, a pen knife, and a locket with a photograph of Mabel Norman. Now, you know who Mabel Norman was? She was like the, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. She was a comedic actress. She worked with Charlie Chaplin. She worked with Fatty Arbuckle. And um, he had a, a locket with her photograph. And there was also a two-carat diamond ring on his finger. So you know robbery wasn't a motive. So after some investigation, his, uh, his death was set to, uh, like at 7.50 p.m. on the evening of February 1st, 1922. And um, so uh, they start looking up the suspects. And one of his first suspects was a man named uh, Edward Sands. And Edward Sands was his... He had just fired Edward Sands as his chauffeur. And, um... He was, um... I got a little background on Edward Sands here. Let's talk a little bit more about him. Where are you? Okay. Yeah, he he was born, um... April 4th, 1894. In, uh... In Ohio. But he always taught, spoke with a British accent, which some people said was Cockney, and uh, nobody seen or heard anything from him after after the murder. But uh, Taylor uh, had um, had fired him because he caught him stealing. 
So a few months later, he sent Edward Sands a, 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 a ticket, a pawn ticket, in the name of William Dean Tanner. Now, you know who William Dean Tanner was? You have any idea, Philip? Mm-hmm. William Dean Tanner was William Desmond Taylor. Whoa. It seems that, that William Desmond Taylor had another wife at one time. That he, that, wow. that he, he had married... Uh, I'll give you a little, okay, we're talking about William Desmond Taylor right now. He was born on uh, April, tw- uh, April 26, 1872, and he was an Anglo-Irish-American film director, and he was born William, De- William Cunningham Dean Ta- Taylor, Tanner. And he... Uh, he attended Marlborough College in England, and in 1891, he, he, was, he was Irish. He was born in Ireland. And in 1891, he moved to... Uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, in 1891, he left Ireland for a dude ranch in Kansas, and he became reacquainted with acting. He, he, he loved acting. So he married a woman in New York named Ethel May Hamilton. She was an actress who appeared in the stage musical Floridora (laughs) under the name of Ethel May Harrison. Hmm. Her father was a broker and investor and uh, owned an antique shop. And they were married at the Episcopal Cemetery on December 9th, 1901 at the little church around the corner. And then they had a daughter, Ethel Daisy, born in either 1902 or 1903. And they were well-known in New York society, but, they were, but uh, Tanner, slash Taylor, was also a heavy drinker. Hmm. And he suffered from depression, and he was known to be a womanizer. He said he carried on affairs with many different women. So he suddenly disappeared on, the 20, on October 23, 1908. He deserted his wife and his daughter. And after his disappearance, friends said that he had previously suffered mental lapses. His family thought initially that he had wandered off during an episode of amnesia. So his wife obtained a state decree and divorced him in 1912. I keep on saying 2012 because I'm used to saying 2012 instead of 1912. So anyway, he goes to Hollywood, and he started his acting career at the New York Motion Picture Company um, under the brands of Bronco and KB, which were two studios then. And his earliest screen appearance was known screen appearance as the counterfeiter. And then he acted for Vitagraph Studios. We've heard of Vitagraph Studios. They were the big silent screen studio. And uh, and then he did... um, he did four movies opposite Margaret Gibson, Margaret Gibby Gibson, and Balboa Amusement Producing Company. And at Balboa, he met an actress named Neva Gerber, who he became engaged in 1919. And she later recalled he was a soul of honor, a man of personal culture, education, and refinement. So he, began to, he became a director in 1914, beginning with a, a movie called The Judge's Wife. And after leaving uh, Balboa, he directed two films for famous players, including The Serial Diamond in the Sky. So 1915, he became he, oh, he made contact with his sister-in-law, Ada Brennan 
uh, Dean Tanner, the wife of his brother Dennis. And uh, Dennis also abandoned his wife and children and disappeared in 1912. It seems like that's a family trait. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> so World War One, he enlisted in the Canadian Army, the Canadian exp- okay. and and trained four and a half months in uh, Fort Edward, Nova Scotia, and, and he sailed on um, Halifax on a troop transport carrying 500 Canadian soldiers. And they arrived in Hounslow Barracks, London, in December 1918. And then he was ultimately signed to the Royal Service Corps. And at the end of April 1919, he reached his final billet in, uh, you know, in France. And then he returned to Los Angeles on May 4th, 1919. It was honored by the Motion Picture Directors Association. So he turned to service. He went on and he directed some of the most popular songs in the era. Including Mary Pickford. You know who Mary Pickford is. Everybody knows who oh, Mary yeah. Pickford is. Wallace Reed. I'm sure you've heard of him. He's, he, he's another one that kind of died with scandal. Dustin Farman, who I've never really heard of. But he had a protege by the name of Mary Miles Minter. Now, by this time, his ex-wife and, and, and daughter found out where he was working in Hollywood. And then... Um, because they were watching a movie called Captain Alvarez and they saw him appear on the screen. So they knew he was alive. <laughs> so Ethel responded, That's your father. And in response, Ethel, Ethel Daisy wrote Taylor and carried the studio. And he visited his ex wife and daughter in New York and made Ethel Daisy his legal heir. Okay, so we know what happened with the murder. And we're going to talk about some of these suspects here. Uh, first of all, who should we start with? Well, Henry Peavy was one of the suspects. And uh, he was the one who replaced Edward Sands, the one that, the one that, uh, that, that had uh, found him. And uh, news, uh, uh, newspapers know that, that Peavy, he was very flamboyant. He wore these flashy golf outfits, but he didn't own any golf clubs. And three days before Taylor's murder, he had been raised, arrested for social vagrancy and charged with lewd and dissolute, which means he was probably given a blowjob somewhere. Or, or, or <laughs> something like that, yeah. So, according to Robert Golod, even though the police decided after severe question that Vivi was not the murderer, the Hollywood correspondent in the New York Daily News, Florabelle Muir, came to a private conclusion that Vivi was the murderer. Of course, you know, in that era of indigenous women reporters, ingenious, ingenious women reporters, she thought that she could engineer a scoop. Ingenious. Ingenious, yeah. Engineer a scoop by tricking PV into convention. Con, uh, Apologize to the indigenous community. Yeah. <laughs> slip up. She knew from the movies that blacks were deathly afraid of ghosts. Oh, my God. Oh, we got, we're getting into step and fetching. She's doing from the movies that blacks were afraid of ghosts? <laughs> what the fuck? It's a messed up time back Oh, and with the help of two Confederates, Frank yeah. Carlson and Al Weinshank, she offered Petey $10 if he would identify Taylor's grave in Hollywood Park Cemetery. Weinshack had already Stump gone ahead with a white sheet, and Muir and Carson drove Peavy to the site. Weinshack, who came from a tough section of Chicago, spoke with accents of a hoodlum. 
when he loomed up in the sheet, are we talking KKK stuff here? He cried out, yeah. I am the, he cried out, I am the ghost of William Tesman Te- Taylor. You murdered me. Confess, Peavy. Oh, my gosh. He that... was pretending to be a ghost, and, and Henry Peavy laughed out loud and then cursed him out. <laughs> Good for you, Henry. Wow. And unfortunately for Mrs. Muir, she was unaware that Taylor had a distinctive British accent. And Weinstein was talking with his Chicago accent. Oh, I God. mean, we, we were laughing. We were kind of like horrified because it's like when you think about it nowadays, it's like that would be so disturbing. It is, yeah. By today's standards, to just blame somebody and do yeah, it. Yeah. In that too, manner. You yeah, know? no. So, uh,. Oh, Weinshack, uh, as, as Muir revealed in her memoirs, not only spoke like a hoodlum, but was also one of the alleged Chicago mobsters who were later gunned down in the infamous St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Oh, these people were so fucked up. So poor Henry Peavy died in San Francisco Asylum, where he'd been hospital for syphilis-related dementia. That's what happens when you do that lewd behavior in them parks, right? All right, our next suspect is Mabel Norman. Mabel Norman was, um, she was a big star. I mean, let's think, who would be comparable to Mabel Norman today? A big comedic star. Somebody like... um, A big comedic star? Yeah, big comedic star. Big comedy star. Female comedy star. Um... In the movies. Um, Why is my brain dead? I don't know. Why is my brain dead, too? Leslie Jones. Uh, Melissa McCarthy, let's say. Probably something in that category. Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. Or Christian uh, uh, Wig, Somebody like that, you know? Yeah. And uh, she was a big star. And her frequent co-stars were Charlie Chaplin. We know how big he was back then. Oh, how yeah. big he kind of still is now. And uh, Roscoe uh, Arbuckle, Fatty Arbuckle. And she was deeply, uh, according to this, he, uh, uh, William Desmond Taylor was in love with her. And she had a problem. She had a little bit of a dark side. You know what it was? She loved her nasal candy, her nose candy. She was a oh. cocaine addict. So... Um, According to things that I've read and things I've heard, um, he was always trying to get her off of the drugs. And he even, even to the point where he had threatened one of her dealers. And, um, and Taylor was going to testify in court against one of her dealers. So... There's a little bit right there that maybe one of them drug dealers had something to do with this. Now, on the night of the murder, Mabel Norman was at Taylor's bungalow at 7.45 p.m., which is about the time the murder happened. And um, he had lent her a book that she was carrying, and, and when they left, she and they blew kisses at each other. She got in her limousine and drove away. She was the last person to see William Desmond Taylor alive. But uh, she, she had, they put her through a grueling interrogation, but then they ruled her out as a suspect. And most uh, writers have done the same. Most, uh, mo- most subsequent writers, you know, there's been several different 
takes on this case. And most of them have, um, have said that, you know, Mabel didn't do it. Now, this is one I didn't know one. Faith Cole McLean. She was an actress of, uh, actor of Douglas McLean. Oh, yes. This is his neighbor. She actually saw someone coming out of the house. She said looked like like a, the villain in a movie. He was dressed in the dark thing, the hat and smoking the cigarette and everything. And he paused for a moment. Turned, uh, she saw him. Yeah, he's my idea of a motion picture burglar, is what she said. And she called this person, paused for a moment before turning and walking back through the door as if having forgotten something, and then reemerged second later, seconds later, flashed a smile at her before disappearing into the night between the buildings. And Faith McLean thought that the loud noise she heard was a car backfire, not a gunshot. She heard a loud noise. And she told the police that this person looked funny, like white, like movie actors in white face makeup, and specu speculated it may have even been a woman disguised as a man, because he, she was of short stature. That's possible, yeah. All right, now we get into something. Now these next three are are really viable suspects. Our first one we're going to talk about is Mary Miles Minter. She was a former child star and a teen screen idol, I guess kind of like Taylor Swift today without singing, you know. And um, she was uh, William uh, Desmond Taylor's protege. And she had grown up without a father, and um, she was only three years older than Taylor's daughter, so he kind of took her under the wing as a daughter, but she fell in love with him. And she wanted a relationship with him. She was 19 and he was 49. And um, she wanted a daddy. Some people think that their relationship was sexual. Some of them think it was more a protege mentor kind of thing. It could have been both. And um, let's be honest about it. It was back then. She had written <laughs> she had written some really passionate letters to him that had a lot of that were pretty racy. And he might have groomed her. We don't I mean, Yeah, let's be, let's it's, be real it looks here. a little bit like um Let's be real. So um we have another um the next episode is Charlotte Shelby, who's Mary Miles Minter's mother. Mm. And she was the ultimate stage mother. I mean, like the Mama Rose. Oh god. And she had been described as manipulative and consumed by wanton greed over her daughter's career. And she was a failed actress herself, so she was kind of living vicariously through her daughter. But she was really afraid, she hated William Desmond Taylor. And she was really afraid that he might have married her, and he may have even been influencing Mary to get away from her mother. Yeah. And. Mary was her meal ticket. She didn't want to lose her meal ticket. And um, so she would, uh, she, would, she would lock Mary up in her room so she couldn't go to Taylor. And Mary would sneak out the window. Mm, <laughs> so classic. Look at this. I mean, this is nice. We talk about shit that happens today. 
And this is 100 years ago. This is 1922. And this is the same kind of stuff that's happening. Uh, parents of, of famous children stealing their money. Shady fuckery then, shady fuckery now. <laughs> the shadiest of all, yeah. And um, she was also, oh, you know, and they were from Louisiana. Ah! They were from Shreveport, Louisiana. Shreveport. They were from Shreveport. Shreveport. And she was. <laughs> and oh God, I had to say that. It was funny. So uh, her, so she was interviewed by the police, and her statements about the murder are still char- characterized wow. as evasive and obviously filled with lies about both her daughter's relationship with Taylor and other matters. And the most compelling of circumstantial evidence is that Shelby owned a 38 caliber pistol, which was used in the murder. And it was very similar to the one kind of killed Taylor. And after this information became public, she reportedly threw it in Louisiana Bayou. The pistol. Oh my God! But she was connected, so you know she, yeah. she was. She she knew the district, the Los Angeles district attorney, and spent years outside the United States in an effort to avoid official inquiries by his successor and press coverage related to the murder. So the Louisiana Bayou made it into the story. The Louisiana Bayou makes it into the story Gosh. too. And in 1938, her other daughter, actress Margaret Shelby, who was suffering from both clinical depression and al- alcoholism. Openly accused her mother of the murder, but Shelby was widely well, let, suspected. Let me, be, uh, let me throw something in there, just like we were joking about Lake Mead earlier. Uh-huh. The one thing, unless something really drastic happens, we're never going to be able to drain the swamps and bayous in Louisiana. So who knows what secrets they've So I'm both. sure, I'm sure that gun's still there, unless the crawfish ate it. Yeah. There are probably so <laughs> many secrets. I'm sure there are secrets. Oh God! Now. um... She was why she's 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 like the prime suspect all the way, and um, according to uh, writer Adela Rogers St. John, she speculated that Shelby was torn between maternal protection for her daughter and her own attraction to Taylor. That's another rumor is that she also was in love with Taylor. Oh, she was thinking she was more age appropriate. Or I guess she was more age appropriate. This guy. This guy got around for somebody that was kind of... Oh, he's not blameless. Like, you read things. They're like, he he kind of did not make all the best of friends with people. He no, definitely... No, 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 no. So, um... He was shady himself. <laughs> she always af- was afraid she was going to be tried for this murder because they were after her. And then 20 years after the murder, District Attorney uh, Burton Fitz concluded that evidence was insufficient for an indictment of Shelby and recommended that the remaining evidence file be retained on a permanent basis. And all these, all the evidence disappeared. She died in um, 1957 and uh, Fitz, the district attorney, committed suicide in 1973. Yeah. All right, now we come into another suspect. Her name was Margaret Gibson. And she was a film actress <laughs> who had first come to Hollywood when Taylor first came to Hollywood. Wow. And in 1917, she had a scandal. She had been a big movie star. But in 1917, she had a scandal. And she'd been 
indicted, tried, and acquitted of charges equivalent to prostitution and opium dealing. All these whores in this house. All these whores in this house. Oh, my God. And then she could... Well, of course, that fucked up her career. She couldn't work again. So she changed her name to Patricia Palmer. And in 1923, she was arrested and jailed with extortion charges that were later dropped. So we literally we literally have a suspect who is an actual Hollywood hoe. Yeah. And, and she was 27 years old with murder. So, um... So she was 27 years old at the time of was murder. And um, soon after, uh, she got work in a number of films. And, and, and you know, even Taylor's studio at the time is that she, she was still working as Patricia Palmer. Now, in 1964, some uh, there was a man who had this, uh, this little old lady was his neighbor. And she was like the eccentric little old lady in the neighborhood. And... Uh, she died. She she was dying. So she asked him to come to her bed, uh, to to her uh, bedside, and she did a bed deathbed confession that she murdered Taylor. And then she died, and that was Margaret Gibson. And the neighbors had no idea. They just thought she was just some crazy old lady that lived there. They had no idea that she had been a movie star, that she had been a silent screen movie star. So. Uh, one of the reasons why this murder is still unsolved is the police just stomped all over the evidence. They didn't do right. The fingerprints. Of course, Mabel Norman's fingerprints were going to be everywhere because she visited. All these people he knew would have been coming to his house and everything. Mary Miles Pinter, too. So they never were able to find the killer of William Desmond Taylor. Okay. Let's just talk about it. And I don't know if they ever will. No. But I want to talk about the weirdest part about this. Mm-hmm. Which goes back... The whole thing's weird. The whole shit's weird, yeah. But the gun, for, for the case and understanding, like, who might have killed or what happened in evidence, is the gunshot wounds and the very little blood. Okay? Yeah. Well, a lot of people... Yes. And, and this is what I've noticed... Well, I'm reason. getting to that. That's, a, that's something I wanted to bring up. Okay, a lot of people... But you say what you have to say and I'll... Oh, we had a brownout? Oh, we had a little bit. Nah, it's a little, just a little. Oh, oh. That was a brownout, wasn't it? That sounds like Are it. Are we okay? Yeah, we're okay. We're still recording. Okay, still recording. Okay. Um. Wow, that was wild. That was scary. Spirit <laughs> did it. All right. Well, anyhow, but did, maybe something knows we're about to claim something. Oh, I wonder if the killer is in here right Because they knew I was about to say something. What you about to say? My thing is that I was looking on all these things, and they're all trying to say, oh, it had to have been shot from this distance. And I'm sitting here in the back of my mind. This is all dumb. That's not real. Because because what I think is the issue, and it's the one problem with evidence at that time, is this was the infancy of toxicology. Yeah. Mainly the only city that was really had a good job on toxicology, if you went that far back to the 1920s, might have been New York. L.A. maybe not as much. L.A. was still a lot like the Wild Wild West. Yeah. They probably didn't have a good toxicology lab like New York. No, they wouldn't. And New have. York's was in its infancy. So, what I'm thinking is if we had that, I'm believing somebody either poisoned or in the case of 
slowered the heart rate with an overdose of some mm-hmm. sort. You were saying possible drug dealing, things, mm-hmm. things, whatever. They were talking about a stomach rupture originally. Or, if it was one of these ladies, maybe they knew certain times he took an insane amount of whatever drug or had access. And they're claiming, you know, that there was a possibility. We're not just talking about, like, cocaine here. We're talking about heroin, morphine. That could really slow down the blood. Now there's a... That's, that, that's, that's... Cocaine is an upper, but morphine could really slow shit down. Now there is another uh, theory. And then he got shot. There is another theory of that. One theory is, is that he was shot at very close range during an embrace. I still so, think there'd be blood, though. I st- doesn't that lends a lot of credence to the either being Mary Miles Minter or... Um, but don't you think there'd be more blood? Or Margaret Gibson. There would still be more blood even with that. I don't know. Because okay, if, if they shot him directly in the heart and they stopped the beating all immediately, maybe not. Because those are the things I have read. But do you think she from, was that exact? For, I, those are the things I have read from some... I know, um, but what I'm trying to think is, I really just feel like his heart had to have been slowed down some. Now, you know what I want to do? Now, so, this, uh, this, so in my mind, there's a combination of drug involvement and a gun, is what I'm thinking. That's where I'm at. I, well, where are you at? Because that's where I'm at. I, uh, I, I have some... Um, some agreement with you too but also about the the close range it could have been maybe he broke up with Mary and she shot him he he hugged her goodbye bang bang twice or maybe Margaret she was also in love with him and had worked with him and she had had a relationship with him in the past was jealous of the attention he was having with Mary Miles Minter. There's also um, there's also uh, rumors, uh, theories that he was gay, and he was having an affair with Henry Peavy. But I don't think Henry Peavy or Mabel Norman are the, um, are, are the viable suspects now. But what I'm saying is, what you're saying possible. But what my what I'm kind of pinpointing at is if he were say drugged or poisoned or the heart rate was brought down, he seems to be passed out on his chair or whatever or somewhere. He no, he's on laying on the floor. Well, and, he ends up on the and floor, and he was after. placed with his arms straight down. He was placed that way. He was shot, and I don't think he fell like that. He was laying on the floor straight, fully clothed, in the suit, was arms. Okay. So what I'm thinking is generally they may have, there may have been a drink exchange, something going on. Yeah. Some kind of, I'm just saying this is a possibility. I'm not saying this is it. Got drugged. He, his defenses went down. He may have even passed out at a point, which would have been, the heart rate would have been very low at that point. Yeah. Then that would have been the point where he would have been easy for whatever suspect to go at close range and shoot right at the heart. They didn't find any kind of drugs in the system or anything. Well, no, they never really had a good report. But That's what they, I, no, from what I'm seeing, there's no good reports out there. Yeah. Did you ever? Did you get a hold of the autopsy report? I no, no, no. I've read different books that I've read. There was one book I read called "The Cast of Killers." And tex- toxicology back then was pretty shit, unless you were in New York. 
possibly and King on. Vidor, who was a, a, a very famous director. As a matter of fact, he directed Betty Davis in a movie called Beyond the Forest, which is going to go on my bad movie podcast. So I'm but, not saying what I'm saying is right, but it's a possibility. Yeah. Now he King Vidor came to the conclusion that he was homosexual. And uh, okay, you have who you like for this? Let me ask you. Like they like the cops say, who do you like for this? Who you think is the most viable subject who could have been the killer? Mm, it could be almost anyone. I would say based off of everything that I'm saying and also what you said about the body and how it was laid, mm-hmm. I would have to say that that would have been someone who was definitely in love with him. And they cared about him, yeah. There was too much care taken. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't know. And, I mean, there could have been... Honestly, there could have been... Now, King Vidor thought, thinks that, uh, thought because he, he did a lot of investigating on this, and then they wrote a book about his investigation called The Cast of Killer. King Vidor thinks that it was Charlotte Shelby. She had the most to lose. He law he he took her daughter away. Motive wise, she yeah. probably would have had to go on an allowance, a meager allowance, and she was used to living high on the hog, and it would have really really fucked with her life. Now me, okay, I'm leaning towards Mary Miles Minter, a young girl, headstrong, overly emotional, in love with an older man. He decides to break it off with her. He hugs her goodbye. She shoots him twice. And her mother was the one who owned the gun. Now she could have thrown that gun in the Louisiana bayou. Not to protect herself. But to protect her daughter. Also this possibility couldn't be the two of them involved together. But I have one little thing. That couldn't you have both why, of them have done it together? Why did Margaret Gibson confess to it? That's the only kind of thing that sticks in me it makes me wonder if one of these two women did it why did this other woman confess to it although some of these actresses are crazy as hell and how dying wish she might have wanted to make some kind of I mean, maybe yeah maybe she she wanted you know she wanted to bring her name back in the, into the news or something but what 40 her, years but later what her motive for killing him would have been well she was so allegedly in love with him also and he had he had dumped her, supposedly either for Mabel Norman or. You know, it would be the crazy truth. What if all these women banded together and killed his ass? Now that would have been for an entertainment. You know, movie. a woman. You know, women do that kind of thing too. Sometimes that would be entertaining as hell. Kind of like Diab- Diabolique. It might have been. It might have been the Me Too era, like of uh, 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 back then, a hundred years before, saying. Let's fuck but this I, I am definitely leaning towards Mary Miles Minter and as a in a in a, for, a passion, and I'm also leaning towards Charlotte Shelby destroying that evidence and destroying the gun to protect her daughter. Because if a daughter's career got ruined, so did her life. As it turned out, Mary Miles Minter's career did did get ruined. Which does and lend Mabel to the Norman's two, the two career. of them could have murdered him together. Mabel Norman's career also suffered from this, just for, just by association, just by guilt with association. But um, and then the guy that kidnapped him, well, he just disappeared. What happened to him? Nobody's ever seen or heard anything from him ever again. The um, 
What's his name? Not Henry Beebe. Edward Sands. He disappeared. Nobody ever heard thing. I don't know if he was paid to go away hmm. or if somebody took care of him too and they never found a body. This is an intriguing case, isn't it? Yeah. There's so many. It's almost like this puzzle that you think you got the piece, but then there's one little part that doesn't fit. And if it was a drug dealer, they could make a stage where make it, you feel like it's any of these women. Yeah. Presented a certain way. It could have been Mabel Norman's drug dealer because he because he was work he was getting ready to testify against him, and he was um, and he was trying to get you know that was a customer a good Which customer would to go then lend to the method I was talking about. Where you overdose the person because they love drugs, right? Right. And then you shoot them. Good, that yeah. Told, yeah. And that would totally explain. And we so, don't know because, I mean, even exhuming his body after all this time, it's probably. probably there's so many bizarre things. It's like the placement of the body. How I mean, is his body, are the bones even still there? It's 100 years, you know? No, there's nothing you could. I mean, there's probably nothing left. No, there's nothing you really could. You know? So. Um, this thing, it, it's just... but Okay, my take is I think it was Mary Miles Minter. I think she was a 19-year-old girl. You know how emotional teenagers are. Not just girls, boys too. And you know how they get... Fall in love with somebody and they think it's the end of the world if this relationship changes. The gun, her mother had a gun. The same gun. that The type of gun that killed him. She does this. And when they told her about it... That's another part I, I, I didn't think I had, I had seen in one of the podcasts. When the police came to and told her about it, she acted as though she already knew. Hmm. Now, she... Let's see what happened to her. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened to her. Where is she? She wound up becoming a recluse. And... Uh, She did make, She only made four motion pictures after the murder, and then she bought, she married uh, James Kirkwood Senior. Well, that was her first marriage was James Kirkwood Senior. But after the death, um, she sued her mother for the money that she said she stole from her. The case was settled out of court, and um, in nineteen thirty four, a hearing took place in Los Angeles with Hilda Dency, proprietor of a dress shop. Claimed that Merritt meant to enter the shop and took a tweed dress. She was caught shoplifting. And then she stated that she had helped Ms. Deasy's dress top and she took the dress as her as owed interest. She said that she owed her money. Uh, now she married a um, real estate. Uh, in 1957, she married a real estate developer and was married to him until her death. Now later years, she was committed she commented that she was content to live without a Hollywood career. She later reconciled with her mother and proclaimed her love for Taylor throughout her life. Minter's money had been invested in Los Angeles real estate, and she seemed to have lived a relatively confident in prosperity. And she moved to a house in Santa Monica. Her mother, Charlotte Shelby, died there in 1957. Now, in 1981, someone broke into her house, severely beat her, and stole more than $300,000 worth of antiques, china, and jewelry. 
and the former living companion and three other people were charged with the attempted murder and burglary. She died in 1984 at the age of 82 as a stroke. She was cremated and her ashes were scattered at sea. Now, supposedly she was, um, she had gained a lot of weight and supposedly she was almost kind of like Norma Desmond living like as a recluse. Oh, goodness. And, you know. So, um, yeah, her, her life was pretty much, well, she lived, uh, you know, relative, she, she had money and everything, so she wasn't, but she's, She's always proclaimed to love for him till her dying day. And I'm wondering, a teenage girl, all enamored with this older man. The older man rejects her for whatever reason. And in a fit of passion, she has her mom's gun. Let me hug you goodbye. Bang, bang. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Sounds reasonable. There's just that little bits of other. But yeah, like I said, for me. and then why? And then, um, but that also explains why you know the mom would have uh, would have let her um, would have gotten rid of that gun, either if she did it or if he did it. And they said that the the neighbor said that she thought that the person that came out of Taylor's house was a woman dressed like a man. That's key. Which. Ugh. Unless both the mom and the daughter were involved together. That's a possibility too. Which could then lend. Lend to what I'm thinking. One poisons gets or gives oh, gives gets them to use the drugs to get a lot more than normal. But. Lower thing, and then the other comes. But to her relationship with her mom was so so volatile, and it wasn't really good. I don't know if they would do something like that together. Unless they had reached a head where they were both tired of him and his shit. Maybe he was cheating around with somebody else. Yeah, you know, but like I said, and in that case, I could have put the other woman involved in that. Well, get what is Gibson or whatever could have put her in on this, right? Yeah, like, and that's where I'm thinking there could have been multiple women involved in this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it could have been, but I don't know. It's kind of it, it's a little bit wild thinking that um, that all the uh, that three women or something were involved with this. Uh, I'm not okay. So anyway, there's a few pop culture things in, 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 based on this. Yes, uh, the murder appears in F. Fitzgerald, F. Scott Fitzgerald's 1940 story, Pat Hobby's Ho Christmas Wish. Well, Hobby discovers a supposed confession of murder from, from a Hollywood producer and tries to use it to blackmail him. The film Sunset Boulevard with William Holden, Gloria Swanson, features a fictional aging silent screen star named Norma Desmond, whose name was taken from Taylor's middle name and Mabel Norman's last name. Hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> the film Hollywood Story from 1951... An attempt by Universal Studios to take advantage of the success of Sunset Boulevard is clearly based directly on the tale of murder. I have to check that movie out. The film reaches a fictional conclusion and it follows the circumstances of the real life closely. Gore Vidal's novel Hollywood features a fictional account of the tale of murder. Taylor's murder was depicted in David Merrick's production of the Jerry Herman, Michael Stewart cult musical Mac and Mabel. Hmm. 
which is May, Mabel is Mabel Norman, which opened on Broadway at the Majestic Theater on October 6, 1974, and ran for six previews and 66 regular performances. It was directed by choreographer Gower Champion and starred Robert Preston as Max Sennett and Bernadette Peters as Mabel Norman and James Mitchell as William Desmond Taylor. Yes. The old Hollywood silent stars dead secret is an episode of A&E's Crime City Confidential aired in 2000. It was about the Taylor murder and in 2012 marked the 140th anniversary of his birth. William Desmond Taylor Society in his home of Cairo, Ireland established Taylorfest, an annual arts and films festival honoring Ireland's most prolific filmmaker and celebrating the contribution to Irish, of the Irish to silent film. And um, one to released a, a, a six-episode podcast called Murder in Hollywoodland about the murder. There's also a book that I read called A Cast of Killers. Did they mention that in here? Aware of this, um, it, it, it chronicles the King Vidor. In 1969, King Vidor decided to investigate it, and he did his own little, like, well, like armchair detective type of thing. And he came to the conclusion that it was Charlotte Shelby. And there is a whole Facebook page now dedicated to to people that like like a group that's a public group about his, his life his murder William Desmond Taylor yes okay. I was I was I was actually maybe we should put a maybe we should put a, a link to that that Facebook group on yeah. our Facebook group there's a whole so you have so your your take on that you think it was the two together I I don't know maybe maybe not I, I my only take is I still I think there was a level of drugs or poison before the shooting. That's the one thing that baffles me. Yeah, and that which might lend to multiple people or may lend to an extended time with the. Wasn't there something about a drink that he had that was that, that there was some kind of suspicious sort of uh, yeah residue in it or something. Yeah, which could be poison, could be... Could be just about anything. Could be a morphine tablet crush to slow him down. I don't, there could be a host of different Yeah. Things. I don't know. But anyway, we'll keep on... I'm, I'm going to keep on reading about this. I want, I, I'm still curious, and it's it's racking my brain. But I still think it was Mary. I, I think I, my... I, my, I'll go with Mary. Oh, I, I do. I, and, and, and that is easy. I think at some level she had to have been involved. Yeah. Yeah, she was involved. And maybe after... I mean, she didn't have a good relationship with her mother. But she might have taken the mother's gun and the mother threw the gun in Louisiana by you to protect her. Or to protect herself. Could have been either one of them. All righty. We'll never know for sure, will we? <laughs> It'll be one of those okay, Hollywood so, mysteries. So I, I am going to miss having you right here next to me during the, the podcast. Uh, I'm wishing that your move goes very smoothly and that you're able to get yourself settled so we can start doing it again. Uh, next week we're going to be 
we we're going to be uh, dropping probably Madame Lalaure and I'm gonna probably drop two next week, two two classics, probably Madame Lalaure and possibly Antoinette Frank, one of you know, two New Orleans, and then um, I'm also going to be launching the new the new uh, podcast. So that's exciting. I'm I'm excited about that. Oh, you could drop a classic for open shutters and put it on your new one. You could do that. What, what was it? The uh, uh, Broad? Huh? What, what, I forget the name of the movie. All of a sudden, the one from, set in Australia. With Road games. Road games. I think that one's even too bad for my new one. <laughs> yes, and it was bomb. It was a fucking bomb. Yeah, it was a bomb. But anyway, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at a shutters. Uh, Instagram at Open Shutters Podcast. Our Facebook page is the official page for Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. Uh, you can email us at openshutters at yahoo.com. And I think movieshutters at aol.com is probably going to become the email for the new show. So, Philip, I'm going to miss having you here. But I hope to get you back, even if it's on the Zoom call soon. Oh, yes. Very soon. So until then, enjoy the view from the open shutters. But don't fall out the window. Especially if you're a Hollywood director and somebody shoots you at close range. (laughs) After possibly drugging you. After possibly drugging you. And don't get involved with a 19-year-old protege and her crazy mother. Or your crazy ex-co-stars. Or, or any Hollywood hoe for that. Or co- our cocaine-addicted <laughs> cocaine comedian. Uh, thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.